Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, welcome back, everybody. This is Making Action Happen. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain. So I love, we have so many great guests on, but I do kind of enjoy it when it's just you and I catching up on stuff. Um, and so that's going to be our show today. Uh, we've been super busy lately with just everything that we're trying to do. We have the annual meeting coming up next week. Um, we had a great visit with the um, president of CU and the Regents. We've um, been working on several projects that we'll be making some announcements about here shortly um, at the annual meeting, and then uh, you'll hear more about those uh, a little bit later down the road. Um, and you've been doing a whole bunch of stuff. So we've kind of done, we've just had such a full plate. We've been kind of con- yeah. divide and conquer lately. Yeah, and then I, I was gone the past two weeks. had a, um, my, my wife's grandmother, my grandmother as well. She passed away, um, and everybody around here knows her. Um, her name was Edna. If you've ever been to the Aircraft Museum here, she was the small British lady that worked there. Stubborn small British lady, but she unfortunately passed away last week. Um, just an incredible life. You know, she was born in England uh, during World War II. She was part of the Women's Exal- um, Air Force, or I forget what they call it, uh, the Women's Something Air Force. But she was literally bombed by a Nazi plane. Okay, tell us about that. We so that story. If in her obituary, it says she saw the plane so close she could see the pilot's face. Oh my word! And then after that, uh, she met an American, an American GI, married him, and kind of bounced around. I think they went to Paris. Um, they were out in New York. Uh, eventually settled in Pueblo because he was originally from Walsenburg. Oh wow! And th- this is really funny. So her her last name was, as we say here, Aramio. Uh huh. But. Being the staunch British person that she was, <laughs> it was Jaramillo. Shut up. And all, all, of, her, all of her kids, my mother-in-law and, and my uncles and stuff, when they go to school, of course in Pueblo, where you could say Armijo or Aramijo or whatever, you know, that's, that's Pueblo. She's like, no, it's Jaramillo. And they'd be like, you're pronouncing it wrong. Well, my mom's British, and this is how they this pronounce how it they back it. in the... The and she stuck speaking. to her guns on that. Yep, didn't yep, she? she did. She did. That's and she went. She went by both names. It was um, Edna Jaramillo, Edna Simmons, which was her maiden name. Um, and, and she also had, which is very interesting. So her brothers, I think it was her brothers, were on the. Her uncles were on the Titanic. Okay. Uh, it was like two uncles and one cousin, or I can't remember. And I. And, I'm sorry for butchering this on it, but, um, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Titanic, you know, and the band plays on, that's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the band plays on. One of her relatives was in the band. Was in the band. That if you've seen the movie where they go down with the ship, he was the one playing. And she lost two of them on the Titanic. And unfortunately, afterwards, another one had survivor's guilt and he ended up committing suicide a few years after. But going to her house... You know, she had her, as, as a pop, a proper Brit, she had her queen room. Right. 
you know, Correct. the royal family, everything yes. up. On the 4th of July, she only flew the Union Jack. <laughs> there was American flags everywhere, and she'd have the Union, Union Jack out Jack. there. Uh, and, and she also had her Titanic room, and um, she received a medal, I think, maybe five or ten years ago. Uh, from the government that was like, you know, the relatives of those that passed away on the Titanic. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So, so she, she, uh, in her stubborn British self, uh, she was mentally there. Uh, that, you know, unfortunately, is when you get to that age, stuff happens. And, you know, it, she was in hospice for a while. Mm-hmm. She was going to be in hospice for two days, they said. And she was there for quite longer than that. And it was just her being stubborn. And even in the past few years, as her health kind of declined and her body broke apart, you know, it was like, this is it. This is it. And then they would be like, she's fine. Just send her home. (laughs) Um, But but it it was... How old was she? She was 94, I believe. Every time I saw her or talked with her, she was an absolute delight. There was no reason for her... To really remember who I was, but she always managed yeah, to remember yeah. who I was, and that's how she was with people. It was amazing. Yeah, and she, you know, she worked at the aircraft museum here, volunteered there for years, and she was part of the Air Force Association. Um, you know, her her husband, he unfortunately passed away shortly after retiring, but you know, they retired here, and I believe he was at the state hospital, uh, and she's just been this solid person in our family and our life. And it's, it's really sad. Like my wife told me, Jill, she said that since she was born, she has talked to her every day of her life. And right now we're kind of the reality's hitting that she's not there anymore. Yeah. And she was, she was the strong woman of the family. She was the strongest member of the family. And so that's what I've been doing. She was the center and everybody orbited around her. Oh, and everybody here loves her. Oh, Um, my gosh. I'm going to go to the military affairs meeting this Friday, unfortunately. And so this is funny, too. So she doesn't she did not want a funeral. She does not want a funeral or a memorial. She said it's a waste of money and I won't even be there to see it. So the family honoring your wishes. We're not going to have a funeral. We're going to take her ashes back to England, scatter them with her brothers. Um, but what I think I'm going to do is organize something with the aircraft museum, the air force association. And next year on her birthday, we're going to have a big memorial where everybody could come and celebrate her life and, and be there. And that that's a little easier too, because it's gives us some time because so family can come from out yeah. of town and, and we can do this and, Send her off proper, as she would say. And make the proper fuss. Um, I don't even know if I told you this, but uh, when one of our meetings when CU was down, um, Angela Harone was there. Mm-hmm. And Angela Harone um, was a former senator here uh, for a Colorado state senator. Yeah. Um, and she came up. You had to leave early to pick up the kids. And, uh, um, and she came up with just tears in her eyes. Is Brian, um, did Brian leave already? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh my gosh, I wanted to say something about his grandma and yeah. how much we're going to miss her. I mean, that's how much of an impact. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, she's she, touched everybody here in Pueblo. She's touched everybody. Well, and I think the connection with the um, the museum, the um, aircraft museum, because, and you've talked about it a little bit on the show before, but 
um, the aircraft museum is something that we take for granted here in Pueblo because yes. it's a really big deal. It's a huge deal. It's, uh, you know, it's a Wisebro Aircraft Museum. It's out at the Pueblo Airport. There's two hangars full of aircraft. They have a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, they are building the third hangar. It's going to be the R.J. Schultz hangar, which uh, he was very close to Nanny. We call her Nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, but their collection there is, like, you're not going to see this anywhere else in the country or the world. Uh, the Air and Space Museum in D.C. doesn't even compare to it. I mean, they have the one of the copies of when Japan surrendered in World War II is at the Aircraft Museum with the pen that signed it. Um, they have King George's uniform when he was in the Royal Air Force. Um, I think, or the, maybe it was the Army. I can't remember. I'm getting confused. But anyway, England wants that back. They have a helicopter that picked up one of the Apollo missions out of the ocean. That's there. Yeah. You could go sit in the helicopter and watch the video recovering the Recovering the that. Yes. It's crazy. They, they have uh, an F-4 Phantom simulator, which I talked to a pilot that used to fly those recently when we were doing some veteran stuff. And he's like, they have that here? He's not from here. He's from like Colorado Springs. It's like, yeah. And he's like, holy cow, I trained on that. Um, you know, it's just, it's impressive. The collection goes from the dawn of flight to recent. They have an F-16 there. They have an f I think it's a 15 also, but the, the F-16 they have there, again, and I'm probably butchering this, but it was the last U.S. fighter jet to shoot down an enemy fighter jet in combat. And so that actual plane is there. It was donated by a National Guard out of uh, another state. Um, they have MiGs there, so you can actually go see the planes that we fought against in the F-4 Phantoms in the Vietnam era. The inverted? Yep. Yep, that's that's it. Um, they have the the original fighter jets that tested the nuclear bombs. So there's a story about one where they didn't quite know how to drop this, so they put it on this this jet, and you know they were doing that. It's not a real nuclear bomb that they drop, but a dummy one. And so they're flying and they're testing out how to deliver this nuclear payload. And it never landed. And what happened is it got caught in the jet wash and followed the plane. So they're like, well, we can't do that anymore because oh we're going to drop it here. And then when it drops, it gets caught in the jet wash and follows the plane. Oh, that's so they, great. They have some of those. They have a lot of trainers. They have helicopters. They have a, a cockpit from a C-130. They have a, an old B, whatever the World War II bomber is, like fully restored in there. They're, they're restoring a Spitfire right now. Um, I mean, it's literally like 70 planes in there. And the cool thing about it, so if you go to the Air and Space Museum, you look, right? There's a rope around it. You can't go up. You can't touch. You just look. I was going to say, this is different. You can climb in these planes. It's so cool. They kind of, like, if you come in with, like, a group of people, they're not going to let you jump on it. But if you ask the volunteers, like, hey, I want to sit in this F-16, they will put you up in the plane. You can actually sit there. Um, and again, like some of the other stuff, like the, the helicopter, like the displays are in it. So you go in and sit in the helicopter and watch the video of the helicopter picking up the Apollo mission. Apollo I know. Mission. It's so, so cool. It's cool. And, and they also have a really cool uh, STEM program there for science, technology, yes. engineering, and math. They actually have a scholarship. They bring high school kids through there. They send them on these internships. They give them scholarships. Um, you could go in and they have a lot of the JPL Lockheed, Boeing artifacts there. They, I mean, they have a tire from the space shuttle 
that's made by Goodyear that costs like twenty thousand dollars to make this one tire. And they it's have gigantic. astronaut uniforms. Yeah, I mean it's impressive. And I, I think in Pueblo we went back to the billboards with Randy Thurston. It's like we need to advertise this more because this would be a major draw. I have taken so many military people over the past decade that I'm like, you want to see something really cool? And they go there and their, their minds are just blown. Um, there's, there's a story can either confirm or deny this, but you know, that we have the chemical depot here and they have officers from other countries. It's part of this like chemical weapons destruction pack. So, so they'll have like People from Russia, people from, you know, these countries come in to inspect our deep military. To make sure we're getting yeah, it Yeah, to make sure we're yeah, doing it. Absolutely. Right? And we do the same. And, you know, I, I've heard a story. And again, I don't know if this is true or not, but the, the Russian comes in. He sees the plane. He's like, well, I think there's a MiG. I think America has a MiG. You should get this MiG, you know. But even these these foreign military people, like the Russians, like, I haven't seen one of these in, you know, 20 or 30 years. Like, this is amazing. You guys have this here. It's just, it's just out there. That's so cool. I've, I haven't been out there for a few years, and now I kind of want to go out back out there again and take the boys. And um, No, the, the, it's, it's really cool. So how perfect is it that you're going to do an event to yeah. remember and honor Nanny out there in about yeah. a year or so? I, I, I think we're going to do that. Um, I love it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good. Like I said, she touched so many people's lives here that this is the proper way. And to be fair, she said the fam. She doesn't want a funeral or a memorial from the family, so I'll put it on the Air Force Association. That's exactly right. And the Air Force Association wants to do it anyway. Yeah, they do. um, do. And and I I think none of us uh, would really mind her haunting us a little bit if we didn't do exactly what she wanted, just to keep her around a little bit, have her in everybody. But she would be the perfect ghost to haunt because she would clean up the house instead of. She would be good. She would be good to haunt us. Um, you've been working a lot on veteran stuff, and we've we've been wanting to sort of say that, but everything was still in progress. So um, well, there's that, and I want to talk a little bit about the art stuff too. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, let's talk about what you've been doing on militaries to serve veterans. There's so many cool things. Yeah. So Colorado has what's called a UVC. It's the United Veterans Coalition. So. Basically, the, the Colorado UVC is, you know, recognized by the government, state government, and put into place. And it's every veteran service organization in the state is a member. And they, it's like any nonprofit, you know, a board of directors, executive committee, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there have been some, I don't want to say issues or complaints, but the UVC has always been very Denver-centric. And going to the meetings, you know, it was a lot of people there. It's not... It's not a small thing, you know, you go and there's a hundred people there on this thing once a month, this meeting, talking about what we're doing for veterans, what the issues are. They do take stances on legislation. So they're the ones that if you want to pass a veterans bill in the state, they pretty much have to okay it or they're involved in the process. Because again, it's every veteran service organization. Plus um, they can say it because they're a nonprofit when other yeah, yeah, people yeah, can't. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it has been Denver heavy, and that's not knocking them at all. Why? So just because that's that's where the meeting is, and that's where the people are. So oh, if gotcha. you had, it, it's kind of like if you had a Colorado Chamber of Commerce, it's based out of Denver. If you had a Colorado wide Veterans Committee, it's going to be based out of Denver. And there are representatives that come up from Pueblo and the West Slope and all this. 
But, so it's just a matter of convenience. In yeah, yeah, it's more, it's more convenience. Because yeah. um, I, I remember I used to go to the meetings and it was kind of like, you know, what's the point? Because there's so many people, like if we need to get something done, I could email and call right. and stuff. But from the outside, that perception is like, well, they're, they only care about Denver, which is not true. Um, we need like Southern Colorado representation, Western Slope representation. So uh, Dick Young is now the president of UBC. He's a retired admiral, Navy. Dude. Oh, wow. And Bob McLaughlin from Mount Yay. Carmel, who we've been working with, who is a member of Action 22. And yes. It has been awesome. Uh, Mount he Carmel, is. is they have since opened up an office here in Pueblo. They have one in Trinidad. And their mission, they're based out of Colorado Springs, is to serve veterans. And that's it. They are a nonprofit. They're not the VA, but they are connected with the VA, and they have people on the inside. Um, Bob was the is the retired garrison commander from Fort Carson, so he stepped into this role because it was a calling for him. You know, it was do I do I stay in the military and deploy and be away from my family? I think he has five kids, or oh, do wow. I take this and I serve the veterans? So he he stepped into that role. Since then, he became the VP of the UVC. So his plan is to have regional UVC vice presidents. So he, he nominated me, um, <laughs> didn't give me a choice. He, he sure. nominated he me, did. which I'm he glad he told did. you. Yeah. So I'm the Pueblo region VP. Uh, Larry really Crowder smart. is down in the Valley. He's the VP. Love Larry Crowder. Um, there's uh, one from up kind of Northeastern Colorado. And I forget his name. And they're looking at somebody from the Western Slope or two people from the Western Slope. Um, overall, I think they want to have around seven VPs around the state. And what that does is every VP is a part of the, the board and has a vote in it. And this gives them the eyes and ears and boots on the ground for these regions uh, to address these veteran problems, whether it's with the VA, whether it's with the state DMVA, or just the need for help. Yeah. And what they're doing in Pueblo is they, they open an office and it's kind of like a triage center where you can go into this office as a veteran. It's like, I need this help. And they're going to have somebody sitting there who is Doug Fitzgerald. Yes. Doug Fitzgerald's on with them now. He's going to be like, oh, these are benefits. You need to talk to this guy. This is medical. You got to talk to this guy. But at the same time, they're really concentrating on the mental health here in Pueblo. If you go to Mount Carmel and Springs, it's everything. It's like anything you need as a veteran is there. Okay. So Pueblo, they kind of had to um, put a laser focus on what's needed. So initially, yeah, initially they're yeah. going to do mental health. So I, I think they're going to have some mental health counselors there. Um, probably a, a veteran, a, a VSO, veteran service officer. But the, the big thing from Pueblo that we really need down here is an optometrist. Mm. Um, the biggest issue there, well, there's many, but with the VA, one that always comes up are the issues of eyeglasses and eyesight. Why is that? It's a complicated thing with the VA where they contract it out or they don't offer these services. And the other one is dental. It's like the VA doesn't really do dental, but they do a little bit, but you have to be 100% service connected or it has to come from your service time. Mm. And if not, they offer like an insurance for dental and you go out to the private sector. But with Mount Carmel, they are going to have an optometrist here. And as far as oh, I know, unless awesome. it's changed recently, it was going to come down like one or two days a week. So if you are a veteran and you could go up to Springs and do this and you need glasses, you could go into Mount Carmel and get glasses. 
without having to go through through all that stuff. Yeah, go through like sign this paper. You're going to go to Rocky Mountain Eye Center. They will get you in. You'll get the glasses, and then they charge the VA, and then the VA doesn't pay them, or they take forever, or whatever. It's going to be a place where it's like, hey, I need glasses. I could go onto Mount Carmel and get glasses. So there's two things. I love that they've gone into the region and they've said, okay, what? Where's the gap? What? What actually yes. needs to be done yes. here? We so rarely see that. Yeah. There's so many times that people are like, here's what we have to offer. We're telling you what you need instead of yeah. taking it the other way back. Um, and I also love that they hired Doug, who's yeah. also an Action 22 member. But And Mount Carmel's an Action 22 and member. And Mount Carmel's and, an Action and 22 Jake member. And Jake Mino started Mount Carmel. He wanted to take care of the veterans. And so he started this to fill the gaps that the VA or other agencies were kind of dropping the ball. Right. So this is not a selfish for-profit mission, if that no. makes sense. This is completely like Jay Chimino said, I want to give back to those that serve the country. How can I do it? I'm going to start this facility. And they're in Colorado Springs. They have um, a facility in Trinidad. Yep. And now they have one in Pueblo at uh, St. Mary Corwin. Well, and the great thing about Doug is he did this exact work for Tipton, for how many years? And McGinnis. And he knows it better than anybody. He does. He is not a VSO. He is not a uh, medical person. But if you have a question about the VA and how to get help and how to navigate the Doug system, knows the Doug answer. knows it better than anybody. He knows it better than the majority of VSOs. And on that, too, that I have to say is the state of Colorado, they have, so every county has county VSOs. So that's like in the constitution. It's like every county has a veteran service officer paid for by the state. And I think they get some federal money for it. Sure. And then the county pays for it as well. And they're required to have this. So if you're a veteran and you need help, you can go to like the DAV or wherever VFW and those are volunteer VSOs, but right. the county has a full-time VSO right now. We're, I think we're down to one in Pueblo unless they've hired somebody at one point we had three but they're always backed up. And with the veterans coming out, they're like so slammed right now. So the state has state VSOs and they do the same thing, but they kind of right. oversee the whole thing. So it's like the county VSOs having problems with somebody they could go to the state and the state kind of works it out. Um, so the state basically decided to uh, decentralize their VSOs. So they were all in Denver. You know, it's like, Okay, you have all these state VSOs serving all of Colorado, but they're all based out of a building in Denver. So in the past few months, the state decentralized it, and they're sending their state VSOs out to regions. So we will have a state VSO here in Pueblo. They're going through the hiring process now. Oh, that's So great. that just adds more ammunition, yeah. you know. And they're going to have their own separate office. It's, I think it's going to be downtown. I don't know. They're negotiating that part of it. But that just adds more to the veterans here. So there will be a state VSO along with the county VSO here in Pueblo working full-time to cover the region. So I love, I love that you're doing this. Um, you know, all of the players, you know, all of the pieces. Um, and I mean, you were Doug's boss for a, most of that time. Yeah. Um, and so there's, you're able to create some real synergy. And I think that they're going to be able to do more for veterans than they have been able to do in a pretty long time. Yes. It's a better service for veterans. It is. And it's, it just, it's, Great. We love it. Um, the So tell a little bit about if, if you're a veteran and you're listening, how do you connect? 
So it depends. Like this is where it gets complicated. So VA benefits are not just VA benefits. There's different areas of it. You have the medical part. So the medical part, you go registered a VA clinic, a CBOC, or a VA hospital. So you go into the medical side. I need medical benefits. They're going to take you through the process. You have to apply. There are different levels of it. Like if you're, you know, if you're, if you already have insurance, you're making so much money, you're not going to be priority A. Um, they, they group it. It's like group one through six or something like that. They change it all the time. Um, so that's the medical side, but people get confused with the benefits side where I'm a disabled veteran. So I have an injury. I have some health problems due to my service. So that's the claim side. So that's a whole separate process. The VA has the medical side, which is just about giving you medical care. And then they have the claim side where that's like, Hey, I am suffering and I am a, I am hurt due to my service in the military. And then there's the other side of it too, where it's like, I have diabetes. I don't know if it's from the military, but right. I can file a claim, you know, and they take care of you because that was a promise. So people get that confused. They think they can walk into, if you have no experience with this, like you, maybe you were just, you didn't feel you needed it. You had insurance, you know, you're working a job, but you get to the point in your life, like, I can't afford this. I need to be taken care of. I'm going to go to the VA. So you go to the medical side, but then also the claim side, because there are things that happen to you in your time in service that could affect your health later on. Um, a great example or a terrible example is Agent Orange. So you had all these guys yes. exposed to Agent Orange in Vietnam, and then they're coming down with cancer 20 years later. You know, the VA recognizes that now. If you can prove that you had boots on the ground in Vietnam, you were on a, a brown water ship, and now even blue water veterans that were exposed to it and then also some other instances it's like you know like i'm sick now like i didn't get hurt in the military but you know 30 40 years later i'm developing cancer it's probably because of agent orange for the longest time the va did not recognize that um, now they do and they recognize it more in situations like you were a mailman you were carrying mail right in the same plane that held agent orange you know that they, they would say like well you were never boots on the ground vietnam so you don't qualify for Agent Orange now. It's like, no, you were around it. And so there, there are those benefits and for your family because this is, uh, it's like chromosomal. So like, right. you know, if the if I was exposed to Agent Orange, it's going to affect my children yep. on it. And there are benefits for that. Um, That's that epigenetics piece. Yeah. And there's, there's mm -hmm. even more. There's like the toxic exposure at like Camp Lejeune where there was some really bad stuff in the water and they're working on that in Congress now. I don't think it's passed. There's still some situations. If you were there at a certain time, you do qualify for benefits. And again, this is not the medical side. This is the benefit side. This is where you are disabled to a certain percent and we will give you money for that to take care of you. Now it does tie into the medical side because with the medical side, if you can prove that you're ill because of what the military was doing here, then you get the medical benefits for it. Because again, there's categories of it. You know, it, it's, they, they narrow it down to who needs it the most and are we responsible and they get the benefits. But every veteran does qualify to, to, to receive VA benefits um, on the medical side. Now, it, it may not be great. It may not be service connected, but you can still get in the system even if the VA says, you are not eligible for benefits. You should still get in the medical system. So they have so they you have on record. You. 
so you don't have to wait a year to have it looked at. Um, so that's that's what Doug's going to do there. He's going to say, like, you need this, you need this, you need this. So as complicated as everything you just explained, of course you need somebody to help you navigate yes. it. And so finally we're having people that are specifically going to do that, both in and out of the system that's yes. already um, set up. Um, so if you're listening and you want more information, you can get a hold of Brian at show at action22.org, and he'll help you to connect to who you need to. Yes. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a few other things that have been of interest to us of late. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This episode of Making Action Happen is sponsored by Action 22's amazing energy leaders. Excel Energy, Colorado Rural Electric Association, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Gil Romero and the Capital Success Group, Black Hills Energy, Nextera Energy, San Isabel Electric Association, Outshine Energy, Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan, membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen. Hi, welcome back to Making Action Happen. We were talking about all the work that's being done to really create some synergy and some meaningful impact for veterans in the region. You had one or two more things that you also wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say that the VA has a really bad rap for providing not great service to veterans. They have 
they're doing a really good job turning that around, especially here in Colorado. Can't speak for the rest of the United States, but they are making strides and they're doing an awesome job. Um, compared to 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they're amazing and it's only getting better. So if you need help with any veteran related issue, feel free to email me. I could connect you to the right people. I know enough people that can help you with that. And don't let past experiences dictate whether or not you get help or you yes. get the things that you need. Yes. Um, because it is a new world and it's new efforts and it's new priorities. Yes. And um, don't let that happen to you. So anything else? Exciting? No, that's it. Okay. That's it. So I'm super excited because Colonel McLaughlin is going to be speaking at our annual meeting next week. Yes. Um, and I I don't know why. I've, just, I've only met him once and you've got to spend a ton of time with him. But I'm super excited for that. Um, and we've got a really great lineup we'll talk about um, toward the end of the show. Uh, we've put together, I didn't, I did not even imagine that the lineup and that the event that we would put together when we start out would end up being this really very impressive. Yep, that's good. Um, I'm excited. So last night I got to um, be the moderator for the city council um, forum. With one person. <laughs> so to be fair, there's three. There's three. But um, one of them didn't want to show up and the other one was on a work trip. So you yes. just had one. So Brandon Martin, um, yep. uh, he really tried to make it work. And yeah. he did everything he could to try to make it work. Um, but unfortunately, and uh, can we just give a shout out to people who are working right now? Yeah. He was yeah. working out of town. We appreciate that yeah. he was working. Um, yeah. And, and then, he was on the show. I had him on the show. Yes. So Some go back and watch and listen. Yeah. Uh, a really good guy and that cares a lot about his community. Um, and that district was District th Four, District Four. He's yeah, in district. district. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's then, the Bessemer district in Pueblo. Yeah, it's the south side. Um, and then there was, um, and I can't remember his name now, but he just decided not to come. So we just did that with. No, that's Vicente. Oh, Vicente. Uh, Martinez Ortega. Martinez Ortega. Thank yep. you. Um, and then uh, Todd Rogers was there. Um, but for the District 3, um, these there were three amazing ladies that were there. Um, and it was Sarah Martinez, and she works down at the, um, she works for the health department. Um, and we all call her Robbie. Mm -hmm. um, so she goes by Robbie. So I called her Miss Robinson all the time. But I can't remember her first name, but everybody in Pueblo knows Robbie. Um, and then Miss Voss was there as well. Um, and I was really struck by how smart and informed and engaged all these women were. And I was really happy to see that they're running for office. So, you know, I think sometimes we kind of get bogged down in the politics of things or, mm -hmm. you know, we're not like, oh, that's. I mean, I'm glad they're running, but it's not. I was really glad that these three women are running, and I wish that they could all win. I mean, and that's trite to say that, but they actually were well, way better informed on the issues because um, the questions were some tough ones. And then I was driving home afterwards, and I was thinking to myself, these are questions I really wish somebody would ask us. Yeah would ask you and me. So we're going to play a little right. game. Can we do that? Yep. So the first question was, and this is the fun question, and I kind of had them freaked out the way I set this up. I don't know if you watched it last night, but um, they were kind of freaked out. I was like, this is really, we're going to put you in the hot seat. Who has the best slopper in Pueblo? Who has the best slopper in Pueblo, Brian? Um, 
You're not running for office. Yeah, but it's kind of hard. So I like Coors. I'll take Coors over the sunset, which that'll piss people off. Um, but I actually really like the slopper at Cactus Flower. Really? Yes. And Cactus Flower does like a dynamite chili that's like, quote unquote, super hot. Okay, Brian but it's hotter ridiculously than any hot of the other hot chili that I've had around here. Um, That's crazy. So I, I do like cactus flower. Um, I do like Coors just because that was our, our spot That's to go. That's it, yeah. Um, okay, should we, next one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and then I threw this in um, for the second one. And so it was just Todd and he wouldn't answer it. Um, and, and after the first round, and I hadn't asked the first panel this question, the mayor came and found me. He's like, why didn't you ask that? And I was like, okay. fine. All right. How do you feel about 2A? Now, let me just say for our listeners, 2A is a debrucing measure for Pueblo. Ah, no comment on that one. <laughs> okay. Because um, I, I see the positives and the bads in it, so I'm just kidding. Right, right, right. Right, thing. right. Yeah, no, he skirted it too. Yeah. He wouldn't answer it yeah. either. Todd wouldn't. Um, if you had the stimulus money at your disposal and you could do any project, and I already know your answer for this, any project in Pueblo to build economic capacity, what would the project be? Uh, so now I, I did see that in the paper that there's, I think, five projects they're looking at, and it's they're good stuff. It's uh, right. providing health care, um, some infrastructure stuff. But all of that aside, if again, if it was me, I, I really like the idea of an entertainment zone for economic development. I like um, reinvesting in the the economy of tourism in Pueblo, which the for years politicians in the state of Colorado have been saying, you know, tourism is our economy. Right. Tourism is our economy. Right. Um, but it seems like when it comes time to invest in tourism, there's no investment in it. Correct. So that's why I really like the the um, entertainment district that we talked about with Randy Thurston. Um, and it wouldn't be a lot of money to do this. That's no, the thing. Like, I don't that, think it'd be anything. And it would be such a positive thing because you invest in that. That brings people in and generates more revenue. So that that would be my project. There's other stuff like you could get into affordable housing. You could get into healthcare. You could get into um, kind of like, I hate to use a word, but like gentrification of areas and stuff. And right. kind of add some energy into places such as the east side, like a, a big one. And I think this was on the five projects was a grocery store on the east side. Like that's huge. Like the east side. People don't understand. It's a, it's it's a, a food, food desert. It's a food desert. And, you know, if you look at it from the Denver lens, it's like, well, I don't understand how that's a food desert. There's a grocery store seven miles away or six miles away. But for There's the so... people of Pueblo, they can't get there. Yeah. Um, I I really like the idea of basically perfecting our public transit system with buses to add more serviceability to public transit in Pueblo and make it more accessible and safe right. with it and expand hours of operation for that. So it's like, I don't have a driver's license. I'm on the east side. I work nine to five, eight to five, but then the buses, there's no time for me to take a bus to go to a grocery store. Exactly. So, that, so that's huge. I think that we need um, some renovation on, on roads here. Uh, downtown's looking better. They're, they're making it easier for pedestrian traffic, but Pueblo is not a walking friendly city. 
It is not. You can walk downtown for about a half mile stretch, but it, it's tough. Like, you know, there's places in public that don't even have sidewalks. So that that would be one. And then um, I, I do like the idea the Pueblo Community Health Center does provide medical care for anybody that needs it, regardless of insurance status. But they are so slammed right now. Oh, my and gosh, I, they I, are. I, I, and it's interesting because you will have a family in which only certain members of the family will qualify for subsidized health care. And I don't think that's right. It's like, well, your older brother gets free health care, but I can't afford health care for, for a little kid. And I think that was in the projects as well. So I really like that. But And Donald Moore is such oh, a yeah, good he's, leader he's, of he's that great. organization. Yeah. He's, and, he's and he, so wonderful. He really cares. Like, he and he's so smart. Cares. Yes, he is. So smart, and he gets um, it. And I want to see some advertising for Pueblo. <laughs> yes, I was hoping you'd say that. That's the huge one, too. Like, even, even if nothing else happened, we have great stuff here, and I want to bring people from out of Pueblo to come and see Pueblo, and I want advertising for yes. it. Yes. And then the people that live here that may not be too proud of their city they will be proud when they go up to Denver and see a Pueblo billboard or go to Colorado Springs and say, visit Pueblo and see this stuff. So, so I would love to see that. And again, that is just a drop in the bucket of the money of the that things they're receiving, that we could do. Receiving. It's tiny yeah. amount of what we're getting. So I, um, Randy Thurston totally had me sold. And then I went back and listened to that episode with him on it. Um, and we know that there's going to be, and I don't know if there's an announcement yet on who the new um, chamber um, director is going to be. But as soon as that announcement is made, I, I'm going to go sit down with them and talk yeah. to them and find out what they need to do on this whole billboard thing. Yeah. And I think the problem, I think the problem stems from a self-perception issue of how this community and the entire region sees itself. Well, it's, it's like a suit, right? So if you wear a suit, you feel good about yourself. Yes. And people look at you like you look good. You know, does that make sense? You do, and like, it lends you credibility. Yeah. It says you're yeah. there to but get the, something done. But the most important part about it is when you dress up nice, you feel good about yourself and confident. Yes. And Pueblo needs that confidence to, to succeed in this. They need to do that. So um, that was the... My thoughts were on the same kind of um, thing on that. Um, okay. So we threw this question at the candidates, and I, and maybe this was not a fair question to throw at them because they probably haven't been in, as involved in some of the discussion on this as we have. Mm -hmm. um, but when should Comanche Power or Comanche 3 be closed down or replaced, and what sort of replacement would you prefer? What did they say? I so I think most of them, so the best answer, this was honestly the best answer was Robbie. Robbie said, I honestly don't know enough about this. I would have to do some more research before I can answer that. Okay. And in my opinion, that was the best answer. But they were, they were talking about, um, well, there's already a plan for, in, for it to be closed in 35. What they don't understand, and I didn't think about this until I was up there, is there's a big push right now. And the reason this is a stress point is because there's a big push by um, some decision makers to close it down in 30 instead of 35. Yeah. I think that 
Pueblo is doing a great job of transitioning to um, renewable energies. Agreed. Um, I don't think that we can close Comanche down before, in my opinion, I think it should be up and running till about 2040. I, I agree. Think there's some wiggle room in there. Um, there's a lot of solar opportunity here, but solar has a lifespan of, you say, 15 years or so. Right. Um, so you can kind of offset some of that, have the solar ready to go, slowly close down Comanche, and... Um, Replace it with what? Nuclear power. Yep. Yep. I, I, I've been an advocate that for that for years. You have. I know you have. I have, um, too. I think that'd be great. And I, I also think that, um, you know, coal, oil and gas and coal needs to keep going because it is clean. And you have to have that redundancy. But I do get that this is what the, the voters wanted in Colorado and our leaders are asking for. But as we said before, you can't rush that. And because if you rush this process, it's only going to hurt the consumers. And more so, it's going to hurt the people that are hurting the most. And without a really definable ROI as far as yeah. the, how it improves the environment. Yeah. So there's a lot of damage that's going to be done. And if it was something that was like, it, you know, the improvement that it will have on the environment in this amount of time was this much, I think everybody could get on board with it. Um, I was thinking the other day, um, and again, I was having this conversation at my house, uh, and somebody said, you know, that their problem with it was that there are some people who are making, trying to make some decisions for Pueblo and how mm -hmm. Pueblo and that area, would, we would transition, and they're making decisions up there. Yes. Um, how would they feel if we came up, somebody from here came up, and I said, oh, here's what we should do. We should get Tony Haas, Commissioner yeah. Tony Haas, to go up there and make some of their energy decisions yeah. up and, there and for them. And it seems these energy decisions are not coming from Pueblo. And we've They're seen not that coming from Pueblo. with the fight that Pueblo, who has been traditionally pro-clean energy, renewable energy, is fighting against up there to keep certain things open down here. Yes. Well, and it very much feels like not um, really what they say it's about, but rather putting points on a partisan yeah. board. Yeah, exactly. On a partisan scoreboard. All right, hit me, hit so, me with another. Um, so um, how, how would you improve relationships and build collaboration throughout the community? So we're really good at this in Pueblo, starting nonprofits and actually caring and trying to make a difference. The problem is you have one problem with 27 different people working on it and not communicating. And this is across the board. This goes for everything from the housing crisis to yep. opioid addiction to veteran services. Um, you really need to kind of centralize that and have some leaders step up and coordinate everybody together to make a difference. Because I, I've been to so many meetings where you have five to 10 different groups of people working on the exact same thing. Yep. And they're spending all of their time on the same thing. Whereas if they got together effort. and put their differences aside, and this is a territorial thing. Yeah. Um, they say like, well, we'll do it better than them. And they're like, no, we'll do it better than them. But they're working towards the same goal. So if you could get these groups and these people together to actually sit down and say, like, we all have the same goal here. And 80% of it, we're thinking the same. It's we're disagreeing on the 20%. And that's where I'm being, like, tribalist about it and say, we're going to do it better.
But if you truly had leadership to organize all these groups um, and organizations, then you would see much more get done. And that, that's so which, I, I know the answer to this for me, and I think it's probably the same for you. Which issue would you do that with first? Housing. Yep. Housing it, it or homelessness? Housing. Um, they're kind of separate, but kind of the same. But honestly, it would be housing. Because okay. when, you ha- when you're to the point where nurses are turning down jobs in Pueblo because they don't have a place to live. Yes. Yes. That's an issue. Homelessness will always be there. Yes. And it will always be a problem. And, and it's a very, very complicated problem with all these outside factors and with homelessness. And even if you fix it, it's still going to be there. It's still going to be there. But immediately, the housing issue, affordable and accessible housing, is a must in Pueblo. I mean, hell, we have enough water for like 400,000 people. Yes. Fountain doesn't have enough water for the new housing development. No, but we have more than enough and all those resources as well. Um, What's an So let me ask you this. What is an effective strategy for reducing homelessness? I threw this out and nobody could say a strategy. That's, that's, I mean, put them in houses. That's that's the thing. (laughs) I that, think that's like a five hour conversation. That's yeah, like I think I would. The first thing I would do is consolidate all of the organizations that are working on housing. And then I think we have a wonderful resource in Lexi. And what's her last name? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. But Lexi, she's she's got the expertise of everybody that I've talked to on yeah. it. And that she's I think you, too. Um so this is one that we kind of talk about a lot just internally between what we are trying to do with Action 22. How do we develop Pueblo's leadership position to be a leadership for the region? Again, it's um, this economic development side, like um, make Pueblo succeed and find the leaders that will do that. I think that there's, and I'm not, talking bad about any of our leaders here in Pueblo, but there's the old guard versus the new guard. And you're seeing the old guard that knows how to get stuff done, but they're kind of stubborn in their ways. And then you see this new guard rising up that's both the activist side and the middle of the road. I think that you need people to run for office, whether it's city council, county commissioner, Garrison's a great example. Great example. Um, to kind of step up and lead the way and, and say, like, you know, I get it the way we do things here, that we've always done things, but we're going to take a different perspective of it. And we're going to see if this works because we have been doing the same thing for years here. And it, it's I'm not saying it's hurting Pueblo, but we're not seeing the growth to better Pueblo right now that we should be seeing. And again, it, it's nothing bad on the, the quote unquote old guard. But we need fresh faces in here. We need, like, educated people that come back here that love Pueblo, that may have left and gone to school, did a business, and then come back to, like, kind of take the reins and, like, lead Pueblo to a better Pueblo. So I look at the Action 22 map 15 times a day, Mm -hmm. and I always think about how it affects everything. And I would love to see... Um, and we see this in Garrison, and I think um, the mayor is starting to understand this as well, is that Pueblo is going to impact the entire region. Yes. To own that and to start thinking strategically that everything they do, how is this going to affect the surrounding counties in the whole region? Yes. We need Pueblo 
to step up and own that leadership position that they're in that they don't see themselves. It's again, it's a self-perception. It's a self-perception thing. Um, We have a couple minutes. I'm going to ask you this one. Um, Where do you take uh, out-of-town visitors when they come? Where's when somebody comes in from out of town, where's the first place you take them? Uh, I usually take them to get a slopper. That's mm-hmm, number one. Mm-hmm. I take them to the Center for American Values. Yes. I take them to the reservoir. Yes. And then I try to take them to the aircraft museum. Love it. Love it. And um, the river walk, too. The river walk, yeah. yeah. But that's the we'll, Center for American Values down there. So We, we love all the same places um, in town. Um, and then just... Share one thing that you're excited about for the Pueblo's future, and then we're going to talk about the annual meeting. Um, I'm excited about this conversation that's happening about how to make Pueblo better. Mm. I've never heard it this intense. I've never heard really? people talking about it. I think that's the, the most I'm excited about because it shows that people are actually invested in this community and want to see it succeed. And, and it's never been like this in the you know, I'm not that old, but in like 15 years of working here and politics off and on and like looking out for Pueblo, this is the most engagement, the most talk, um, the most people that care talking about it and doing stuff. So I'm most excited about that. Awesome. Love it. Um, I'm really excited for there to be an entertainment district downtown. Mm-hmm. I hope that that happens sooner rather than later. Um, and I'm excited to see what you're going to do with your art Um, And we're going to talk about that at the annual meeting. So here's what we did with the annual meeting this year. And again, I had no idea (laughs) when I started that it was going to turn out to be this really cool because everybody stepped up. So first of all, let me give a big shout out to um, Mayor Rico and his team down in Trinidad, um, Tony Haas and the county commissioners down there. They, um, boy, I just... I've never felt so welcomed and excited that I'm coming to town um, any place I think I've ever been in my whole life. Uh, And so they're rolling out the red carpet. It's going to be a really fun event. We've got um, we've got Phil Weiser and um, Governor Polis will be speaking there. Um, Colonel McLaughlin will be speaking there. Randy Gratishar. So we're doing uh, like uh, TED Talks, but I'm calling them the Action Talks. Um, and so they're going to do, it's a TED Talk style um, for all of those. Brian, you're going to be talking mm-hmm. about um, art for building capacity. Um, we have a couple of people talking about education. The Western Governors University is um, sending out their, um, their regional VP from Seattle to speak. We got a confirmation on that yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's really gotten to be very, very big and important. For day two... Um, that's the fun stuff. That's the fun stuff. For day two, we're going to have some workshops about accessing ARP funds and public-private partnerships. If you don't know, if you haven't gotten an invitation yet or you haven't um, signed up yet, you can still do that through Tuesday is the last day that you can register. Um, and just go to our website at action22.org and uh, you'll find all that you have. Guys, thanks so much. Um, next week, we're going to have the, um, the CU President Todd uh, be on our show, and then we'll be going right into the annual meeting next year, So, or ne- the next day. So we will talk to you guys right after that. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. 
Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. We'll be right back.